0: This episode is sponsored by our very limited time and free training, three strategies to jumpstart your junior developer career, specifically designed for moms. In this free training, I'll cover the strategies necessary to become a junior full stack developer, including the exact skills employers are looking for. You'll learn how to maximize your income with portfolio ready skills that hiring managers are seeking. Not to mention, the steps to skip so you don't find yourself down that endless tech learning rabbit hole. Join me live for the three strategies to jumpstart your junior developer portfolio. Sign up at uartechy.com slash dev. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y dot com slash D-E-V. I'll see you there. Mimi Scott is the founder of Employee of Choice, a social benefit startup committed to using technology and advocating for people in the workplace to improve their ability to interact more effectively at work in order to reduce the likelihood of getting fired. Mimi is also the founder and chief HR officer of TN2 Consulting, LLC, a human-oriented HR consulting firm. That focuses on the essentials of relationships in the workplace in order to maximize employee effectiveness and satisfaction through educational and empowerment training. Mimi has worked in a variety of roles in HR, mainly HR manager throughout her career. Her formal education includes an undergraduate degree in HR management from Georgia State University, a master's degree in the same field from Troy University, and she graduates this spring with an additional master's degree in entrepreneurial technology from the University of Maryland. Mimi resides just outside of DC with her adorable nine-year-old daughter, Natalia. Mimi, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you because I'll be honest that my community has a lot of HR questions and they always tend to put up this brick wall between you know, building their skills and getting hired and getting through the HR wall. And I just loved your approach because you're really coming at HR from a totally different perspective from the one my community is always talking about. Yeah. So I'd love to hear what led you to found Employee of Choice. What's behind the story? Why is it important?
1: As you know, I have a, an HR background and it's pretty much all I've done my whole career is human resources. And as an HR professional, I just noticed that people struggle with dealing with workplace issues, that people didn't necessarily trust in human resources, and that people lacked some of those interaction skills that required them to be able to deal with those issues appropriately. I spent a lot of my time kind of going against the grain, so to speak, Um, Hmm. and so I, I did a lot of coaching of employees on how to deal with, you know, these issues with their managers, and as people who are in HR probably know, it's just really tough to try to balance that business partner relationship, and that, you know, we're supposed to be risk managers, and then we're also supposed to be employee advocates, but it's nearly impossible to be a true employee advocate. So I just found that I had an opportunity to kind of carve a new path um, and build a new resource for employees um, so that they could have a true employee advocate. They could build those you know, workplace interaction skills, including problem solving, which is a major one, so that they can feel empowered to take on those issues in the workplace Um, without, you know, fearing losing their job. It's all about either being able to uh, keep your job or even more importantly is, you know, being in a comfortable, healthy work environment. Um, And that's why I started Employee of Choice is so that, you know, these are the employees of choice. These are the the people who have the workplace interaction skills to be able to do their job. Those are the people that these managers
0: want on their team. For sure. Um, yep. So that's why I um, created Employee of Choice. So, uh, so I, love, I love so much of that. But just to kind of dive in and, and make sure that everyone understands, because I have some personal experiences that I, I feel like I've got it. What you're really saying is that as an HR manager, there's only so much you can do. So somebody comes to you and there's a problem with the manager You know, you want to just be all in and be their advocate, um, but you're managing that, you're managing the risk of the company and and the risk of the behavior of the manager. And that's putting you in kind of this tough spot. Is is that kind of what you mean? Absolutely. Uh That's
1: exactly what I'm saying. It does put HR professionals in it. And I know a lot of wonderful, excellent HR professionals who, you know, are all about fairness but I've just found that you do get put into a, a, a tough position because HR professionals don't always have the final say right. um, on what's going to happen. Like yes. we can investigate something, for example, mm-hmm. and make a recommendation of what we think should happen. But ultimately it's the company the leadership that determines, you know, what's going to happen after that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. So really you kind of created... Employee of choice out of this need that you saw that the employee needed a sole advocate that would really just benefit them and put them in a, in a position to to what 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 are you really trying to do? Okay, we don't want them to get fired, right? But uh, it's kind of like the but I will say I think people act out of that space all the time, right? They're like, will this get me fired? You know, when you want to yeah. do. You Usually to be successful, you have to do kind of some risky things you have to do and to advocate for yourself. Those are risky. And in the back of our mind, whether we know it or not, that's what we're worried about.
1: Yep, absolutely. And and the biggest thing with what we're doing is that we are making sure that people have kind of that inside knowledge, like we're showing them behind the scenes. So we know the ins and outs of, human resources, specifically employee relations, which involves like any type of performance management issues, investigations into harassment, bullying, things of that nature. Um, So we've been on that side. Yeah. And we can give some greater insight to employees about, you know, where the company is going to be coming from so that they're better prepared. It almost places them at you know, somewhat of a a more level playing field um, than they would be otherwise um, by having that inside knowledge and being able to come up with an actionable plan um, to, you know, work through that process um, and be successful in doing so.
0: I love that because what you're really saying, because you can see a situation where someone's upset and it's like, okay, they've been wronged in some way. Okay, Mm -hmm. they don't know. Does this cross? How much of a line does it cross? And then what can I do about it? Right. So often we just get angry and live with it because we don't know what the action steps are. So
1: exactly. Yeah. And you
0: don't have to. You don't have to just live with
1: it. And, you know, I think people get stuck on, you know, what's in the employee handbook in terms of, yeah. you know, what are the standards of conduct um, that this person could be violating? But one of the things that I have realized as an HR professional is, you know, it it, it goes deeper than just what the standard of conduct uh, uh-huh. violation is. Like yeah. companies also have, you know, their mission, their their values that they require their employees and their leaders to adhere to. And so I often, as an HR professional, uh, recommend it to managers that they use those values to help them to hold employees accountable to their behavior when it was poor behavior. And I think that employees should be prepared to do the same thing when it comes to a leader or a coworker worker um, who's being inappropriate towards them.
0: Right. right. And that benefits the entire workplace, right? I mean, and this absolutely- is a And, and I, and I think that, you know, maybe some of the time it's, it's, I mean, we have bad behaving, everyone can be bad behaving at times, but, you know, sometimes a reminder like, Hey, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that this is. standard that you want to live by. Here's what, here's how I experienced it. Maybe that's enough to change the behavior in some cases. Absolutely. And
1: that's the hope is that, you know, as we improve the, those workplace interaction skills of the entire labor force, if possible, that people will be able to deal with some of those, you know, conflicts, for example, that they have with each other without it rising to the level of discrimination or bullying, I should say, um, or or something of that nature. So it's, it's all, it's a lot of it is about education, um, educating people on problem solving, you know, just those core interaction skills that will help them to have, um, the, the most, um, effective conversations with their colleagues and then, you know, also working with them directly to help them to come up with those action plans once they're educated on those things.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love the action-oriented nature of it. That sounds really helpful and, and needed. I, so you've done a lot. Let's talk a little bit about your career because it's super interesting. And you've done a lot of HR roles, HR management. You have employee of choice, but, but you also work at TN2 Consulting. You do HR consulting. Is this more on the uh, employer side or what what type of work do you do in that capacity?
1: Yeah, so um, so I actually started TN2 HR Consulting. It was almost like a bridge between what, what I was doing and what yeah. I'm doing now. Yeah. I didn't know a lot about tech, probably like a lot of people that are listening right yeah. now. initially yeah. I didn't. I was trying to find a way where I could like really help people without feeling like I was, you know, in between that rock and hard place that we talked about before, because i really wanted to be able to advocate for employees. And so I thought, (laughs) as I think a lot of people think that by becoming a consultant, you're able to do more of what you think is right, so right. to speak. But at the end of the day, and I, I, I say this a lot when I talk about employee of choice, human resources professionals, our paychecks are signed by the company, uh-huh. right? Our paychecks yeah. are signed by the company, not by the employee. Um, so I thought that by having my consulting firm, you know, I signed my paycheck. Right. But I don't sign my paycheck. Your
0: client signed your the paycheck. client <laughs> signs paycheck. Like, how did I
1: miss, that? <laughs> I miss that? And that's really how I, I got to the point where I, I really started being serious about this employee of choice startup because I knew that this still, TM2, it's been great, but it's, it still doesn't get to the core of what I'm trying to do. And so I've actually pretty much wound down my practice to one client, one large client and I, my my focus is 100% on employee of choice. I feel like there there's a, a bit of a conflict when you think about it. like if i'm if I'm gonna be a true employee advocate, yeah. I feel like I should have no ties to um, any corporation. so I, I don't want to be in a position where, for example, the client that I'm offboarding right now, they have employees that might need employee advocacy assistance. Right. So, what would I look like advocating for them and at the same time helping the, the company to manage their human resources? Um, so, there are people who do that and do a great job at it, but my destiny is in being a true employee advocate. So, that is what my focus is gonna be. So, and that, and that actually doesn't mean, um, so employee advocacy doesn't mean that you just tell employees what they want to hear.
0: <laughs> you, Good point.
1: Good point. And that you, you know, they say, Oh, you know, my boss is trying to fire me because I never show up for meetings on time and I need some advice on how to handle him. No, the advice actually needs to be for you yes. that you need to show up for meetings on time. Yes. So let's talk about you know, what your situation is and what are some things that you can do to make sure that you can do that. And really, for those people who are on the other side, uh, again, so we've we've talked about people who may be being bullied, for example, or maybe being harassed. Um, But what about the people that are actually doing the bullying and the harassment, right? right? Those actually, those people actually need they need some type of training and basically something to try to change that behavior. So if someone were to call me and say that I'm being accused of bullying at work and yeah, I did it, but I don't want to lose my job. Then we would talk to that person about what they've been doing and make it very clear to them that it's totally unacceptable. And if they want to salvage their career, then they need to make a change. Yeah. you know, we wouldn't tell them like, oh, you know, we're, we're just going to fight for you, even though you're wrong. Yes. But we would advise them on how to turn that situation around so that they don't continue to be that bullying person.
0: I love that. And I appreciate you sharing your story so much too, um, in your entrepreneurial journey, because honestly, this is what I find I find in my own entrepreneurial journey. And with my students who are pursuing their tech journey, they want to know okay what's the path going to be like and what's it going to be like at the end and so much of what we do both as entrepreneurs and as tech entrants and and, and employees is we try something and then we iterate and we see if it works and and we learn from that and we 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 can't always know exactly the way it's going to it's going to come out and the way it's going to turn out and so like one you started one company and it's. I mean, it's not like you were. This is not like a 180. This is just a. You know, this is your progression and you honing that focus on how you can best serve the need that you see in the market. So I appreciate you sharing that so much because I think it's really important to know. We're. we're we all think we should know all, all of the path, and we 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 won't. We won't. No. It's a very similar situation with when you create a product and create a software product. You don't know. You do not know what it's going to look like at the end. You don't. And you have to do your research and create your designs and test it out. It's not like you might be wrong. You will be wrong. You, you know, you've got to learn. The process is the answer. The process is the answer. So uh, I appreciate you sharing that so much. Can you tell us a little bit about the role motherhood has played in your career decisions and, and how it shaped your career? Oh,
1: definitely. <laughs> So becoming a mother, first of all, as I'm sure a lot of people can agree with, is, is the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. I've always been very career focused and driven. And part of that is because I started so early. Like I I was at Georgia State University. And before I even graduated from undergrad, I had an HR generalist role wow. at a corporation. And they just constantly threw money at me <laughs> and titles And I just kept going and going and going. Once I had my daughter, Natalia, things changed for me. Like, it wasn't that I I wasn't driven to continue to grow um, and develop, but it was more so, you know, different things started to be more important, like benefits, PTO, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. flexibility, like major flexibility. And so that really did cause me to turn down some opportunities within the companies I was in, in higher level leadership, because I could see like what my boss had been doing, for example, Mm -hmm. and how it impacted them. And it really, it was another one of those things, probably the biggest thing that drove me to say, the only way I'm going to have true flexibility is if I start my own thing, Mm
0: -hmm. basically,
1: you know, from an HR perspective, there are other things, you know, of course, that we can do um, in different roles, especially in tech, yeah, um, yes. where you can have flexibility. Um, but from the standpoint of human resources, I just felt like I, I would have to, you know, do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I, I, I was very guarded about what promotional opportunities I accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, I excelled in the roles that I was in and they always wanted me to go to the next level, (laughs) but, but my, my daughter is very active. First of all, she does some of everything, (laughs) (laughs) you know? chorus, Peabody, piano, all types of things. So I need to be there for her. And she's a little entrepreneur herself. Ooh, you know, she, does, like, she has a little Natalia um, snack shop. <laughs> so, you know, I want to be able to be there for her and continue to be a role model because she has shown interest in entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah, that's so fun. So my 10 year old as well. They would get along. I can tell. They both are big personalities. So they, yeah. My, she's she came home. She had a, a play date the other day, and they were they they have this company, and they were. She came home. Ah. She was pitching me. I was like, fifteen dollars. That's a lot for a painting. And then she was like, boom. Let me tell you the value. It's on canvas. It's custom made. It. I was like, all right. Here's your fifteen dollars. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there. It's amazing what they can do already. Really it's fun. And- It's fun. So speaking of children, what about your childhood? Do you think that influenced you and shaped some of your career decisions or or who you are today?
1: Absolutely. It absolutely did. So I grew up in Southwest Georgia, grew up in poverty. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people in like the deep South, Mm -hmm. unfortunately do. And, you know, there are a lot of things that I experienced growing up. Um, that weren't so pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, things that I um, barely talk about, but they definitely drove me to make some of the choices that I have regarding what I do. And the biggest part of it is just being a, an ear for mm. people. And you know, without you know becoming a a, a therapist or working in psychology, because actually initially I told my uh, my favorite teacher that I wanted to go into psychology. That was gonna be my major.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: she said, you don't want to do that because they pass away early. And I'm
0: like, what? <laughs> well, I've never heard that. Yeah, why. No, right.
1: I don't know where that came from. So um, <laughs> is there
0: is a statistic on that. Can we look that up?
1: Okay. I, I'm, yeah, i never looked it up, but maybe I should. But um, but no, I, I started um, working in human resources because it was an opportunity. And I think a lot of HR people get into it. It's an opportunity to help people. That's what we all say that we got into it to help people. And then we get into it, and it's like, okay, I'm kind of helping people, but (laughs) I'm really over here trying to risk (laughs) manage risk for this company. But yeah, I I just I went through a lot as a um, child growing up, and I just really wanted to be there for people. I wanted to be an ear for people, and with human resources you really touch on every aspect of a person's life. Like you work mm-hmm. with them when they have a child or they adopt yes. a child. Yes. You work with them, you know, when they get married or divorced. Then um, if they pass away, God forbid, or if someone in their family passes away or when they retire yeah. happily, um, yes. you're, you're involved. So it's right. just like the, that one business-related profession that would allow me to kind of, you know, be for some people what I didn't necessarily have, you know, when I was
0: growing up. That is really interesting. And did a lot of people where you were growing up um, matriculate to college or were you? No, No. um, they didn't. (laughs) So what do you think was a differentiator for you to go to Georgia State and to really pursue, you know, a, a very successful career? The the differentiator
1: for me is I I used extracurricular activities Uh, as kind of an escape. Yep, I did everything: softball, chorus, cheerleading. Oh my gosh. uh, Editor, school newspaper. <laughs> I, did, I did some of everything. And a lot of those things gave me the opportunity to go different places, of course, going to different schools. And one of the organ- I was a part of an organization called um, Talent Search, and they uh, would take us on tours of college campuses. They nice. didn't take me to Georgia State, I'll just yeah. say that. But because I was so committed to getting away, from the environment that I was in. And I love my town. I do. I'm from a small town called Edison, Georgia. Uh Um, But I I wanted to get away. It was very small. And I think a lot of us feel like this when we're in a small town, you want to get away. And I wanted freedom. So I felt like Georgia State University, in addition to being in atlanta so it was about four hours away from my hometown and their dorm situation was different so it's not like other schools you had a lot of freedom mm-hmm. you, you know and um and it was a very diverse school and yeah. it is a very diverse school yeah. um and the school that uh, my high school which again i love very much uh shout out to the cougars, um, <laughs> <Go> cougars. <laughs> our school was pretty much all african-american and i just knew that that's not how the world looked and um by going to georgia state i was exposed to so many you know other cultures that pretty much helped me to you know be able to deal with the the employee populations that i deal with now it's representative of what our workforce looks like
0: and and when you say that georgia state there's a lot of freedom in the dorm situation. Are they like in buildings in in downtown Atlanta? Is it like? Yeah. So it's changed a little bit now. I mean,
1: downtown Atlanta is is pretty much Georgia State University. Okay. Uh, But when I um, went to Georgia State, the housing was the same housing that they used for the 1996 Olympics, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was was called The Village. And I think it's owned by Georgia Tech now. But yeah, it there weren't they had like RAs, so to speak, but they didn't really tell you what to do. There wasn't a curfew or anything like that. Got so it's it just very yeah, a lot of freedom. Could be good and bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds very different than the the small Catholic college I went to. But yes, I, I can see where and Atlanta has changed so much, right? Like that's it's completely it's a completely different town. I live I live in the Raleigh Durham area, so not oh, far, okay. but I go yes. to Atlanta every year because my daughter plays volleyball there. So, gotcha. and so, yes. and I'm always, it's a, it's fun and it's cool, but it, it's big. It is it a is, big city. Is. I mean, no, spread no, out very Yes. Spread. Yes. yes. Yeah. Let's dive into first. I'd like to know, like, specifically who needs employee of choice? Uh, Tell our listeners why either they could use your services or if they know someone who could use your services, like give us the pitch so that they can understand who's going to use it and how it's going to benefit them.
1: Gotcha. You know, so I basically created Employee of Choice for you, you know, for women and other underrepresented, unappreciated sometimes groups of people, of employees that need that additional support and that true advocacy. My goal with Employee of Choice is really to be a safe space for these employees to be able to discuss and bring quick resolution to their workplace issues and therefore improve their employment retention and improve how comfortable they are in the workplace. I decided to put that into the palm of your hand somehow. And the way that I ended up doing that is by creating the mobile and web application. It's called MyZolve uh, Workplace Advice. You can access it on the web. Um, You can also access it on Apple and Google Play stores. Mm -hmm. And there's a free self-help tool because I know it's really my goal to help as many people as possible There are some things that people just need that I didn't want to necessarily charge them for and it's free. And you could just answer a few questions about your situation and it'll give you advice Um, just like that on demand. And for more critical um, or complex issues, you can also chat Mm -hmm. with um, a workplace expert and it could very well be me. Or you can schedule a call with an employee advocate. And these are individuals like myself who um, truly want to advocate for you and who have that HR background yeah, and yes. that inside knowledge right. um, of what goes on. Um, and because we're not tied to your organization, you don't have to worry about that bias, so to speak. People who you know want to be empowered to take on issues and want to look good in front of your company so you're prepared to handle any issues that pop up. Those are the individuals that would benefit from using our tools.
0: I I can't even tell you, and we'll link to this in the show notes, but it's it's M-Y- you spell, spell myself. Yeah, it's M Y Z O L V E. Right. Okay. And we'll, we'll link to it. I can't even tell you what, you know, because I'm talking to people who are re-entering the workforce or shifting from one work into tech or sometimes leveling up in tech, you know, just knowing that there are people like you out there in this type of technology that actually want to help them because sometimes the fear of the situation is enough to deter them. And you know, it's the moms and the women. I am moving on this 20% of women in tech. We are going to crush that because it's just ridiculous because it is fear of these workplace situations that, hey, they're going to judge me because of the flexibility I need. Hey, they're going to mistreat me. I don't want to put up with that. Hey, and having this power of like, if that situation occurs that I know where to go to handle it, it's so empowering. Yeah. Mimi, it really is. I I just, I love everything about it. Great. 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 All right. Let's wrap up. What advice okay. would you give to a woman or a mom considering a career in tech now that you've had some tech experience for after all your HR, you yes. become a tech <laughs> entrepreneur what advice would you have? And don't say run, other than that, other than run <laughs> far away. What advice do you have?
1: No, I actually do say go for it, without a doubt. Definitely go for it. Um, make sure that you are fully engaged in the dialogue with the hiring manager or the recruiter about what you're looking for. Ask good questions about you know, how the organization supports people like you. And be very specific about it. This is, it's a two-way street. It's not just them interviewing you, you're interviewing them as well. So make sure you come prepared with the questions that uh, will give you the answers that you really truly need in order to make sure it's the best place for you to
0: be. Oh, that was excellent. I love the two-way street. Mimi Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) if you enjoyed listening to this podcast you have to sign up for the you are techie email list imagine being in the tech job of your dreams join me to get the strategies training and never-ending support to get hired sign up at you that's y-o-u-a-r-e-t-e-c-h-y.com i'll see you next time